All right, well, let's go ahead and get started this morning with our, our Sunday school as we continue in the book of Romans. And uh, as we begin this morning, let's go ahead and open uh, with a word of prayer. Father and Lord, we thank you uh, this morning for this time and this opportunity we have to study your word. Father, we realize it is a blessing and a privilege to have your word. And so, Father, as we open it, may we account it more worthy than gold and silver. As the God of heaven and earth has taken the time to reveal himself to us. And so, Father, as we open up this word, may we uh, revere it as it should be. Help us to, to understand it. Father, just give us discernment. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 1. Last week we got through... Um, not the entire verse, and uh, this week, uh, hopefully, we'll get through verses 1 and 2, and, um, but we'll just see. We'll take it by ear. As always, we always encourage you to ask questions and, and, um, and uh, bring out your own comments on, on the text. That's, that's one of the great things about a Bible study versus a message, a sermon a message, is this is an opportunity for us to engage one another in the Scriptures, and so that is, uh, that is what we want. And so last week we looked at uh, verse 1 where it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. And we looked at his apostleship. We talked about the fact that he didn't qualify to be one of the 12 apostles. And do you guys recall why that was? All right. It's engagement time. It's the, he, couldn't, he couldn't be an apostle of the 12 because he wasn't, he wasn't somebody who followed the Lord from John's baptism on. That was the requirement to be one of the twelve apostles. There were many who followed the apostle, uh, followed Jesus in his earthly ministry for nearly his whole ministry, but they did not qualify to be an apostle when they went to replace Judas because it had to be somebody who followed him from John's baptism forward. And so there are those who would suggest Paul was supposed to be uh, the replacement for Judas, and it was a mistake for Matthias. Well, Scripture disproves that. Uh, Paul was not qualified to be one of those 12. And so, uh, but he is, is an apostle. And we talked about uh, the fact that he did the signs of an apostle. We, we talked about the fact that um, in his 13 epistles that he wrote, um, he is constantly in the introduction pointing out that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the will of Jesus Christ. In other words, he wasn't somebody who went to seminary and you know decided, hey, I'd like to be an apostle. Jesus Christ said, you, Paul, you're going to be my apostle. He was chosen. So it's a mistake today when you hear people suggest that or call themselves an apostle. And uh, Paul, Paul is the apostle of Gentiles. And so we looked at that aspect. This week we're going to start looking at separated unto the gospel of God. And then verse 2, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, which tends to confuse people of what's being talked about there. Um, But whenever he says separated unto the gospel of men, turn with me to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1 verse 1. Galatians 1, 1 says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And then if you jump down to verses 15 and 16, notice what he says here. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Uh, Remember, it was grace that was extended to Paul which is why Paul talks about later that he is the pattern to them who follow after him. Those who believe after him, he says, I'm the pattern of that grace. Okay, And so keep in mind that as we alluded to slightly last week, uh, Paul committed um, really what comes down to is the unpardonable sin. Paul rejected, Israel had already rejected the Father, Israel had already rejected the Son, and now when the Holy Spirit is there on earth testifying that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, Paul, along with others, they deny, they reject the ministry, the testimony of the Holy Spirit. And so where punishment was supposed to be met, grace fell. 
where man where man should have received judgment and punishment instead of that came God's grace and so this is why he can call I call himself I believe the chief of sinners because what he had what he had done we think well Paul really okay yeah I get it you were standing there when Stephen was stoned but Hitler look how many he killed well it's it's not just the murder aspect who was Paul fighting against yes and he was fighting against whenever Jesus appears to him. What does he say? What does Jesus say? Uh, he's, he, Paul says, "Who are you, Lord?" And he says, "I'm Jesus." And, and then he asks him, "Why are you kicking against the pricks?" What do you What do you think that's referring to? Why are you fighting this? You see, by him fighting God Himself, um, that's that's a little bit different. That's a that's a huge thing that Paul was guilty of. And Paul, I think, understood. Matter of fact, when we look at First Timothy one later, we're going to see that, um, and we'll expound on it later. But because of God's love for us, because of Him ushering in the dispensation of grace, Paul says, "For this cause I received grace." In other words, because of God's hidden mystery in Christ his plan to save the Gentile apart from the nation of Israel, this is the reason Paul says, I receive grace. He didn't, he didn't get saved because he earned it. He wasn't, you know, the, the best guy. Um, he received grace because he was God's chosen emissary, his apostle, to, to bring about the dispensation of grace. And Paul says that's, I was basically, what he's saying, I'm paraphrasing here, I was saved on your behalf. Not, not elevating himself. He's owing, he's owing much of his salvation to the ministry that he has to, to the body of Christ. And so I'm getting way ahead of myself here. That's, that's way further down in my notes. But, but here, again, um, it says, But when it pleased God, in verse 15, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. And so here, again, we see that he was separated um, unto this gospel, uh, separated from everyone else. And so um, his, his apostleship was different than the Twelve. The Twelve's apostleship wasn't to the Gentiles. The Twelve's apostleship was to the nation of Israel. His apostleship is to the Gentiles, which also included Jews. Uh, because whenever God sets the nation of Israel aside, guess what? No, guess what? No longer exists. I, I got an email uh, this week asking about uh, the state of Israel today. When we realize that the nation of Israel has been set apart, are the are the promises back in Genesis chapter twelve regarding uh, "I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you"? In other words, is that in effect today? Do we have to bless the nation of Israel today because of that? Well, the answer is no. And the reason for that is, is God's not dealing with nations. He literally is no longer dealing with the nation of Israel. And this is why I always try to hit home. There are two groups that God is dealing with today. You're, you're either in Christ or in Adam. And that's it. There is no nation of Israel. And so whatever comes to his, his separation, he was separated under, under the gospel. And so the question is, which gospel? Now, most people, uh, when they're first saved, unless you're saved in a, in a church that's going to teach you this right from the beginning, uh, most of us are, are, as Paul talks about, still learning um, you know, what the gospel is. And we know the gospel, the grace of God, is the death, burial, and resurrection for your sins. And so, but, but the question is, is, is that the only gospel that's ever been preached in the scriptures? No. Uh, matter of fact, if you go study the, uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus teaches, and he has the 12 teach the Gospel of the Kingdom, uh, which isn't the Gospel of the grace of God. Scripture also says that the Gospel was preached to Abraham. Well, that certainly wasn't the Gospel of the grace of God. And so the question is, is which Gospel is he preaching here? It's not the same one that is in... Um, in the, uh, in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Turn with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, look at verse 24. Good morning, Nancy. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Here we see the, the name in which uh, the Scriptures gives the gospel that we preach. Just like the, the name that was given in 
as I said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is the gospel of the kingdom. Here we see the name which Paul says that he was um, to preach. Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And so here we see the name in which he gives this gospel. And so um, that up there with that finishes course, we're going to we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So just make sure that you take note of where that Paul says that he, he wants to finish his course, because that's going to come in play as we look a little bit further into this Romans uh, verses one and two. Um, but so here we see this this name here. Turn to Romans chapter two. Romans chapter two. Verse 16, notice what he says regarding his, the gospel he preaches. Romans 2.16 says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. And again, that's, um, we, should, we should believe that God chooses his words very carefully. He doesn't just, you know, oh, that sounds good enough, I'll throw this out there. This is a very specific statement. Paul is making the claim that it, you and I and all the people back then were going to be judged according to his gospel. Kevin? I like reading it where uh, it said that we'll be judged by Jesus Christ according to my good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, that, that's right. I mean, gospel means good news. And so we have to... We have to keep that in mind because um, there have been other good news. As a matter of fact, when you when you look at Acts chapter two, uh, Peter brings good news, but it's not this good news. And so, um, so yeah, you're you're exactly right. Yeah, to note under that too. Uh, but I I underlined and I said, ask Donna says my gospel. Mm-hmm. How how is it that he's saying it's his gospel? Because he claims that he was given a new revelation. He claims that, as, as he said, that I didn't receive it from man. I received it by revelation of Jesus Christ. And so his gospel is a different gospel than the one that, um, that was preached. Matter of fact, if you go back and you look at Luke chapter 8, you'll see that, that uh, Jesus, whenever he sends the, the apostles out two by two, he tells them to go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Not the gospel of the grace of God, the gospel of the kingdom. But then you go back, you go up to Luke chapter um, 18, and it says that he, he begins to teach them about his death, burial, and resurrection. It says they didn't understand it. They didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't, I wasn't uh, disputing or sure. about that, that, that gospel is correct or the interpretation. It was more about, um, I guess, that it's, it's only implied that it's God. You know, it's from God. He says, my, the word my was what I underlined. Yeah, yeah, and again, it's it's not the only time he uses that, but that's what I'm saying. I think that he's differentiating between his gospel, not meaning in contrast with God, but in contrast with other gospels. Because keep in mind that whenever he gets to um, um, Galatians and other places, you've got people who are listening to a different gospel. And what was that gospel they were listening to? They were listening to... Well, a lot of things that people try to do today. They're trying to combine what was talked about at Pentecost and in the Gospels, four Gospels, with Paul's. And they're trying to mix these two together, And which is why he says that if anybody comes preaching any other Gospel, even an angel, let him be accursed. And because it, he knows he's been obviously told that his is the Gospel that has to be told. And it also reveals the fact that he didn't receive it from man. Right. You know, if, you know if, he was, if he received it from another man, he wouldn't call it my gospel. Turn to Romans 16, and, and you're right, that and he didn't receive it from man, as we're going to look at some more verses here, uh, to establish this gospel as, as, keep in mind, Paul says, and he uses this word, um, dispensation was given to him, and that is, a, that is an important word to understand what that is relating. And a, a dispensation isn't a time period. A dispensation is an administration. You had an administration before, and he's saying there is a new dispensation, and it was given for me 
to go forward to you. In other words, it was given to him. Did you have your hand up? Yeah, I was just going to say that the delineation there, or the way to, to clarify a little bit, is that Paul received it from the risen Christ, not from Jesus as he walked on earth. Right. There's the difference. Yep. And a very good point. Tim. So it's really important, though, uh, Derek, that, that was a great question because so many people today want to use that reference to to just totally uh, dismiss people who rightly divide the word by saying, oh, they take those verses and look, it says my gospel. So they're putting Paul up above Jesus and they don't read, of course, uh, starting in Acts 9, uh, the whole progression of everything. But it, it is something that, uh, that we get criticized about a lot. And it is. And, and, and just keep in mind, um, either you believe that this is the word of God or you have to believe it's not. You don't get to have an in-between. Okay, It's either God's word or it's not. And so when Paul says, my gospel, whose word is that? God's. It's God who says that. We believe that this is the inspired word of God. And so it was, it was God, it was the Holy Spirit who inspired Paul to write this. So to suggest that Paul is being somehow um, boasting of himself is, is in itself a, a bad argument because that's then suggesting that this is somehow is Paul's word and not God's word. And, and most of the people who would make the claim that you're talking about, once you show them the, the, you know, the, the fallacy of their argument, they would realize that the, their argument crumbles. And so, Yeah, God, the Bible is God-breathed. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. Tim nailed it on the head. That is exactly what I was talking or asked why I was asking that question because the word my jumped out at me because the pushback I get from people, because I've only been here since November, mm-hmm. um, that's the pushback. We exalt Paul instead of Jesus Christ. And, and so that's why it's always important to go back to what the Scripture says. And, if, and if, if we're saying the same thing that Scripture says, then we can be confident to stand on it. Look at Romans 16, verse 25. Here we see another reference to Paul using that term. Romans 16, 25 says, Now to him that has power to establish you, in other words, establish you according to, what's that say? My gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, and here's what's key, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. So Paul here, we can see, is saying that, one, we've seen that man is going to be judged by his gospel. Paul says that his gospel and his preaching of Jesus Christ is according to the revelation of the mystery and that it wasn't revealed before. Uh, and again, if you go back to Acts chapter 2 and, and even in the, in, in the Gospels, what does Jesus constantly say about himself? The Old Testament's talking about me. The Old Testament's talking about me. And he keeps pointing this out over and over again. And so what Christ is saying, even though the people didn't understand it, it wasn't hidden, meaning it wasn't in the Scriptures. It was. But Paul says, I preach Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was hidden, not revealed. Now, Notice that. It doesn't just say hidden, meaning that people didn't understand it because it could be, you know, their eyes are are blinded. But it says it wasn't even revealed. And that's a big distinction to understand. That's that's why Paul can say my gospel is because he's claiming to have a new dispensation, a new gospel, which wasn't preached, which we are going to elaborate further on, I can promise you, on as, as, as we continue this this. So if you've got questions on that, you might wait until we get a little bit further in because we're probably going to go over it. But it, it, but it, please don't let me cause you to not ask a question. I'm just telling you, we're going to be looking um, specifically uh, at this, that I can promise you. And so um, look at Galatians 1 again. Look at verse 11. This is the verse which we were talking about. One of you guys, I believe, mentioned um, about the gospel, um, he didn't get it from man. Galatians 1.11 says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so uh, Christ saw it necessary not to send Paul to say, Hey, 
the apostles in Jerusalem are right. Go listen to what they have to say and then take their message to the world. That's not what he does. He sees it necessary to take Paul into Arabia and spend three years teaching him new information. That's what he does. He spends three years teaching Paul about this dispensation, about this new information, about this gospel. One of the things that we we have to understand is, yes, um, uh, Paul's, the essence is we're going to look at, um, the essence of Paul's gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. And that was no mystery. That the Messiah was going to die was no mystery. Go read Isaiah 53. If you want to talk to a Jew today about, about, uh, about Jesus Christ being the Messiah, you can look at Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. That was no mystery. But what it accomplished is what the mystery was. That is, was not prophesied. And again, we'll talk more about that. And so, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing, thing is, is Paul's apostleship is it's different because the message is different. It doesn't mean that it's completely foreign. Again, Paul's, Paul's preaching Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was not like unknown before Paul. Uh, he, he might have been unknown to, to those in Rome, but when it came to Jews in, 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 in the land of Israel, he wasn't unknown. The Messiah, obviously the Jews were waiting for the Messiah, but the things that were, were accomplished through, the, um, through this new gospel, those things weren't understood before. Kevin? Into Christ, not into Israel, though. Yeah, into Christ. Yeah, yeah. It's and that's a big distinction. Is that it's we come into Christ, and even Israel going into Christ was not a mystery. Gentile salvation was not a mystery. Gentile salvation apart from the nation of Israel that was a mystery. That you and I could be saved even with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah, that you and I could be saved without having to come underneath the nation of Israel, that was never prophesied before. That's new. That's huge, Kevin. So then Peter, when he was uh, so surprised, even that he could even go talk to a Gentile, or we're told him to, and this and that, uh, you know, they didn't know that someday they're going to be brought in and, would he think, well, now I guess that's happening. Uh, that prophecy is coming true. Because, you know, even this is prophecy of Joel. I guess the Jews that we'd be in, brought in one day was prophesied, you know. So uh, do you think maybe that's what he thought the time was coming and that's what was going on? Well, Peter, we know what Peter was thinking if you go back to Acts chapter 2 because he says this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. So at Pentecost, his mindset wasn't, oh, guess what? The middle wall of partition has been broken down. Gentiles are equal with us. We know this because in Acts chapter 10, whenever after Peter argues with God about going to a Gentile, and then when he goes to the Gentile and he walks into Cornelius's door, the first thing he says, you know it's unlawful for me to be here. Let me give you a hint. Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 10 is more than seven years. So for seven years, Peter is... After, you know, at the time of Pentecost, for seven years, Peter is preaching, thinking it's unlawful for him to go to a Gentile, Gentile into his house. And so, keep that in mind. And so, um, whenever he does, um, whenever he does preach uh, at, at Pentecost, his mindset isn't in an understanding of what we have today. His mindset is still: we can't read into, we can't read what we know today into the scriptures in the present, in the past. You know, being an IT guy, we, you know, we think of networking. And if you've ever heard this term, backwards compatibility, uh, when it comes to wireless routers and networks and stuff. In other words, something that's made today, um, ver- and will it work with what was in the past? Well, Paul's message was backwards compatible. In other words, it wasn't something that didn't uh, align with that. 
Not that it didn't work. That's why Paul constantly says that Jesus Christ uh, was raised uh, raised from the dead. Uh, how does he say it? Um, well, no, he uses the term uh, made according to the seed of David, uh, according to my gospel. Well, what is he doing there? He's pointing to the fact that his gospel isn't contrary to Jesus Christ, who was of the seed of David. And so uh, Paul's message, he's constantly pointing to, it's new, but it's not like it doesn't fit the Old Testament. Paul's message coincides. It works with it. And so we, we have to be careful not to take what we know today and insert it into the understanding of the time. Because God's re- revelation is progressive through time. You know, it's kind of like a, kind of like a kid when we talk about how we teach a child how to, to read and write and, uh, 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 to do math and all this kind of stuff. Well, just because that child knows how to do some of those things at 10 years old doesn't mean that they understood or they were taught how to do it whenever they were six months. God didn't, God didn't start teaching things 2,000 years ago that, that he's taught now. And so I hope that makes sense. Derek, you had your hand up. Reg, you had your hand up. Uh, yeah, um, talking about the two different Gospels. I mean, in uh, Acts, the great council in Jerusalem, when they finally settled down, they shook hands and they agreed that the 12 would go mm-hmm. to the, the circumcision of the, uh, the kingdom, mm-hmm. and he would go to the uncircumcised, but kind of, uh, about grace. Boy, I'm sure. all over my tongue. Yeah, they agreed, the, the 12 agreed in Acts chapter 15 in that Jerusalem council that, that they were going to stay to, to the circumcision and Paul's going to go uh, with the message um, of the uncircumcision. But look here at Galatians chapter 2, verse 2. Um, Galatians 1, uh, put in your memory when it comes to Paul's uh, um, you know, history and the sense of the things that He went through kind of a bullet points. Galatians 1 and 2 give us a little bit of that. And verse Galatians 2, 1 says, Then 14 years, after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Now there's... There's a lot to this verse that's beyond the surface to this. What Paul is talking about here is Paul is talking about an event where he's teaching the gospel, the grace of God, and then all of a sudden some men from Judea uh, come and start teaching his people that they have to be circumcised to be saved. Now, many want to change the text and say, well, it's not to be saved, but it's how to live after you're saved. No, 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 no. Uh, Acts chapter 15 verse 1 makes it very clear because that's that coincides with this. That's whenever Paul goes back over this issue that makes it very clear that it's about salvation. Okay? And so Paul, whenever he says that I went up by revelation, and then at the end of this verse he says, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Um, what do you think he's talking about there? What does vain mean? I think that what what he's talking about here is the idea, um, first of all, he's talking about the idea that um, he's, you know, he's got this course that's laid before him. But ultimately, when he's talking about in in vain, in other words, of no effect, is what he's talking about. In other words, if what Paul is go, what's going on in Paul's situation is that he's preaching that you're justified by faith and, and the righteousness is not found in the law. And then all of a sudden some guys from Jerusalem come and say, oh, you got to follow the law, which means Paul's message, his whole message is of no effect, that your righteousness is not from the law. And so he goes back to Jerusalem to have this discussion. Otherwise, his whole thing would have been in vain. His whole message of justification by faith that you're putting on Christ's righteousness um, uh, that's imputed to you based upon believing in the gospel. That's Paul's gospel. If he doesn't go back and set this straight, then he's basically running a race that's vain. It's got... It, it doesn't. It doesn't work. And, and so I want to. I want to look at that for a minute. Look at with me to Second Timothy chapter four, verse seven. 
2 Timothy chapter 4, because this idea of, of running his race and having a course before him uh, is a theme that he uses, and we, we see with Paul, and we also see with John the Baptist. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul was on a journey. He was on a path. He was on a race. He was on a course. And that was to be a minister of the word of reconciliation. That was to be a minister of the gospel of the grace of God. And for him to be on that course and for people from Jerusalem to come and teach that the exact opposite of what he's saying, that you can be justified by following the law of Moses, is to make his race vain. It was it would have been vanity. It would have been it would have been worthless if that if that which is why he's so severe that if somebody when he talks about in Galatians if somebody comes preaching another gospel let him be accursed because if you cannot mix his gospel with the gospel of the kingdom they do not mix are they both talking about Jesus Christ yes are they both talking about Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again yes. But that doesn't mean that everything else was the same. Just the way the father of all lies uh, works. Yep. Right? Like the partial truth thing. Yep. And we'll be talking about that later, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, um, and that, that's a good point because we're going to be looking at Genesis 3 here in just a, in a moment. So, but now turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Here we see a reference. <coughs> Again, keeping in mind this idea of this course, finishing the race, running, running this race, this course that's set before you, and him saying that otherwise, if I don't go back and settle this situation, if we start bringing in the, the law to, to salvation, if we start bringing then my whole point is worthless, is, is what he's saying. But keeping in mind, he's got a course before him. Look at Acts chapter 13. Look at uh, verse uh, 25. talking about John the Baptist. And as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom thank you that I am? I am not he, but behold, there cometh one after me whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. What I want you to draw your attention to is, is John had a course. He had a race to run. He had, he had a job to fulfill, and that was to be the pre-runner, the precursor to Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul also had a course to run, and that was to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And if you start to bring that in, it's kind of like if John the Baptist is testifying that, that Jesus is the Lamb of God, and if somebody is down the creek somewhere else saying, no, it's not Jesus, it's Matthias, he's the Lamb of God. It makes John's whole thing in vain. And I, and I hope that you, you see that. Go ahead. It's kind of like they're, they're all building the same building. You know, and uh, I look at course, whenever you're laying brick, you've got to lay a full course. Mm-hmm. If you don't finish the course, you can't start the next course. So John did his course, and Paul's doing his course, and now we're... And what happens if you divert and go off course? You see what I'm saying? Then that course you set to start with was in vain. You know, I can get all of these straight, you know, I'm not a construction guy. All the things you would use to make sure that the the beginning of it is, is nice and straight. And all of a sudden you can use those tools to get it started. And all of a sudden, I don't need that anymore. You think you're going to stay on course? I wouldn't think so. I am a construction guy, and the first stone is the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why Christ calls himself. That's right. You were going to say, so, okay, go ahead, Rich. Yeah, um, I got a verse here in uh, Acts that kind of jumped out at me and got me to thinking. I looked at all the uh, the epistles from the 12th, or those the, the, among the 12th. They're all written before this council in Acts. And Peter says, and uh, he talks about uh, all the miracles and stuff that they they'd heard about. He says, but we, being the Jews, believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved mm-hmm. as them, as they read. So that's kind of the turning point. 
and you hook that up uh, later on with Peter toward the end of his uh, his life. He tells his people in Second Peter three fifteen, go back and read his epistles because they're scripture. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. He he acknowledges Paul's writings are scripture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's why I say that um, you know you get those. You do devotionals, you, you do the daily reading plans, read the Bible in a year, but none of that's going to replace an actual study because that's one of the things about the Word of God. Um, you might be a master carpenter, you might be a master plumber, but to be honest with you, apart from Jesus Christ and maybe somebody like Peter when it comes to knowing the kingdom or Paul knowing the mystery, uh, unless you're like really receiving direct revelation directly from God... There's nobody worthy to call himself the, a master of Scripture because there is so you're never going to understand and learn it all. Uh, we're always going to be learning this because there's just so much to it because all of these verses they're so perfectly joined together. And so, um, turn with me here to uh, back to Acts chapter 20. We read this verse a few minutes ago, and I I made mention that I wanted you to take note of one of the phrases in there. Because that fits into what we're talking about here. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Remember, he was basically being told about the things that were going to come happen to him. And that's why he says, in other words, there was going to be harmful things that were going to happen to him. The Holy Spirit prophesied. And it wasn't so much to prophesy to Paul what was going to happen. It was to prophesy to everybody else what was going to happen to Paul. Okay, And that's whenever he says, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. And so again, understanding as we look at him being separated under the gospel, he's been separate, he's been put on a path, he's been put on a course, and that course is this gospel of the grace of God. And so Peter had a course as well. Peter and the, and the Twelve, they had a course. And theirs was the gospel of the kingdom. I don't want to rob their gospel from them and try to mix it with ours. Neither do I want us to, to, to rob what the gospel, the grace of God is, is by trying to mix this one with the old one. It just doesn't work that way. They each had a course. And, and, and that's what's being talked about here. And so... A couple more verses. Look at Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse uh, 19. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 19. Paul says, um, well, just read verse 18 for context. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known, look at what that says, the mystery of the gospel. Now, the question that must be begged here is, is if Paul is just preaching the same gospel, what is he referring to about it being a mystery? Now, the scripture, maybe you weren't here, but we've looked at this before. The Bible defines words. Okay, The biblical definition of mystery is something that was not revealed. Not the, it's not the same thing as something that's unknown. It's something that was never revealed. And so if Paul says... Open that I can open my mouth. Pray for me that I can speak boldly and open my mouth regarding the mystery of the gospel. Then that means there must have been something that was not revealed before. When you compare scripture to scripture, this is what this has to mean. And so again, this all has to do with Romans one and him being separated unto the gospel. He's separated unto it because God is doing something new. Kevin. Yeah, and, and and keep in mind there are things 
and that's why we got to be careful with Scripture, is because there are times in Scripture where things are revealed and the people are blinded. There are times in Scripture when things are revealed and, and people should have known something. You know, that Jesus was the Messiah, that the Messiah was going to die. He constantly, you know, was trying to convict his people that you should know that the Christ is going to die. You should know that the Christ, the Messiah, is the Son of God. You should know that he is the great I Am, which means if the Messiah is God and he dies, what should that tell you? That he's going to raise again because of the things he's got to accomplish. There are things that were in Scripture that people didn't see that they should have seen, but there are also things that are a mystery that God never before revealed. Did the people before Noah know that there was going to be a world flood? Let me give you a hint. No. No. Was that a mystery hidden God? Do you think it was, you know, a spur-of-the-moment decision God made? Or do you think he knew that he was going to have to do it? He knew that he had to do it. So it shouldn't be foreign to us the idea that God had this mystery, which he specifically says that he had from, from way back from the very beginning, is what he had. And so, so yes, there are things that are unseen that, sh- that were in Scripture, but there are things that were just never, never revealed. Turn me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. This is such a verse that uh, what I was just referring to. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 says, But we speak, well, who's we? Who's writing this? Paul. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. And so here we see, was it hidden because the people didn't comprehend it? Well, what does it say? Which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, it would have, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Um, this idea of what Paul's gospel was going to accomplish, had, had Satan and the princes of this world known the gospel of the grace of God, that you were going to be, that for, you were going to receive remission of sins solely on belief of of the death, burial, and resurrection, they wouldn't have done it. That's what he's talking about here. Had, had the princes of this world known the idea that what he would accomplish, they wouldn't have done it. And so, look at Colossians chapter 1. Excuse me? Yep. Could you say that again, please? Sorry. Sure. That if the princes of this world had known what was going to be accomplished by the death, burial, and resurrection... They wouldn't have put him to death. They wouldn't have put Christ to death. The idea that Christ was going to die was not hidden. That was known. The suffering servant. The idea that he would rise again was not a mystery. What did Jesus say to Mary and Martha? I am the resurrection of life, right? And so the idea of a resurrection was absolutely not foreign. There were those obviously who didn't believe it, but the idea of him dying and him rising again was not a mystery. But the gospel is that by simply by believing in that, you have been forgiven for your sins. That was a mystery. That was hidden. And that's talking about the idea of had that been revealed, they wouldn't have done, Satan wouldn't have saw to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if, if, if you're saying what it sounds like, but if it is, I would disagree with you. But you may not be. I may be just completely. Again, the point I'm driving home is, is that um, the idea of the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Scripture says specifically was never revealed. Not that it was once I'm saved, I can understand it. It was it wasn't revealed, and but go ahead. So maybe maybe we agree. Maybe we we disagree. Well, I think we do. We're one in Christ, but um, you know where it says the Bereans search the scriptures daily to 
see if these things were so. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like the, kind of like what I mean as far as the seed. Like, yeah, I understand. Sure. But we all come to that. We hope other people can start to see it. I guess it's our job. Maybe, like Paul says, my gospel, that but keep in mind, Paul also says that he preaches the unsearchable riches of Christ. Christ himself goes, tells the Pharisees, you think that in the law, uh, in the prophets, you have eternal life, but they're the same things that speak of me. And he's telling them, go search the scriptures. Go search the scriptures. They talk of me. But Paul says that he's preaching that thing that's unsearchable. Well, why is it unsearchable? Because it ain't there. It's not in the Old Testament. Look at look at Colossians chapter one, and then we'll have to call it call it a a study, and we'll we'll do a part three to Romans one one. So that's the body of Christ. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so that's why we have to keep in mind the idea. Paul is not saying that's why he makes the point that Jesus Christ uh, was of the the seed of David according to my gospel. Um, That it's that part's not the mystery. It's how you get saved is is the mystery. What Christ, uh, what you do to get saved. Again, Acts chapter 2, 38, whenever Peter gets up and he's, he's making the case that, yes, you can be saved because you, you killed the Messiah. Does he preach the cross in good news? Let me give you a hint. No, he's condemning them for killing their Messiah. He doesn't say, hey, I got some great news. We talked about it before. Kevin, what did you say gospel means? Good news. Well, you tell me, Is does Peter get up and say, good news, guys, you killed the Messiah. That's good news. No. What do we do now? Because they, they hear the one that they killed is alive again. You'd probably want to know what to do, too, if that guy you killed is alive. Repent. And what does he say? Repent. And? Does he say the gospel, the grace of God, will believe in the death, burial, and resurrection for your sins? No. Still kingdom gospel. Right. At that particular time, it was still in effect. Right. Exactly. And so we have to, when we break down, Paul separated in the gospel. Separating the gospel, it's still about Jesus Christ. It's still about Jesus Christ. But there's the part of it that was just revealed, is what he's saying. But look at, don't take my words for it. Look at Colossians 1. Verse 25. Colossians 1.25. He says, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. And then he goes on from there to elaborate on what this is. So whatever anybody wants to say, it's got to conform to this. You have to explain this. To suggest that Paul is preaching a continuation of the gospel of Acts chapter 2, you have to get around this these verses, along with Ephesians chapter 3, when Paul says, I'm a minister for the gospel, for the minister, for the uh, for the mystery which was hidden but now revealed, you have to conform your theology around that. Yeah. You have to remember that's why he went back to these churches that had the people coming in teaching the circumcision again, mm-hmm. adding that to what he had already preached as the gospel, because you can't add to or take from that gospel without perverting it. That's right. They don't mix. That's right. They don't. They don't mix. Are they both about Jesus Christ? Yes, they most certainly are. Um, the idea of salvation to come was not a mystery. The idea of Gentile salvation was not a mystery. Uh, again, none of those things are the mystery. But what you have to believe, hopefully whenever you talk to somebody and you share the gospel, hopefully you're, you're giving the gospel the grace of God and not the gospel of the kingdom or some combined thing. And so we have to be careful. And so this, as we're seeing, remember, the book of Romans is Paul writing to a group of people that are believers of a church that he hasn't been to yet. And he's, this is one of the reasons why Romans is the great foundational book of doctrine, because he's presenting in written form to a group of people he has not been to yet the foundations of Christianity. 
And that is, is this idea of remission of sins, no longer associated with water baptism, but associated simply on, by believing. And we'll talk about this next week. Paul is the one that brings the idea of Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13. That is, is you hear the gospel, you believe the gospel, and you're saved. Nothing added. You will not find that anywhere else or before the Apostle Paul. It's Paul that brings that understanding. For the remission of sins, it's, it's, that's, that's where our gospel is. Okay. Any other comments or questions? Kevin, did you have your hand up again? I thought I saw. No, but uh, no, that 13, it says, you who first trusted, then you heard the word of your salvation. You know, it, it's, I look at having that thing like Paul did, you know. You, whoa, you have this, uh, what's the Lord? You meet him. You apprehend it. And then, and then you did hear, because I didn't uh, know everything, but okay, I'll believe you. True, but keep in mind, everybody turn to Ephesians one thirteen. Because I want you to see the order that's listed here. I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Ephesians 1.13, the path is hear, believed, saved. You don't get saved before you hear. Faith comes by what? And hearing by? That's right. So it has to be faith comes from hearing. We're justified by faith. Ephesians 1.13, in whom you also trusted... After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And so what we can see here is, is, is that you hear, you believe, and trust it, and you were saved. That's the method. You don't find that until you get to the Apostle Paul. And this is why he's separated in this gospel, because this is a glorious brand new thing. It's not based upon, am I a part of Israel? It's not based upon, you know, am I come under, coming underneath Israel? It's simply, there's, there's one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus. Your salvation isn't dependent upon where you go to church or who you know other, other than Jesus Christ. That's all new stuff. So, all right, very good. Great, great conversation.